that's the power in me using divination as a vehicle for my work. Literally, my, my paintings are these things now that you can rearrange and have a shifting and growing relationship with. This is Studio Confessions, the art and wellness podcast. I'm your host, Luis Martin, the art engineer. Let me take you with me. Listen in for conversations with artists and culture makers alike as we talk about their creative practice and what moves them. Let me share my wax poetic monologues and how to activate your creativity to live an inspired and more beautiful life. That's right, I said beautiful. Welcome to the studio. I'm glad you're here. Hey, Courtney. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Listen, I'm so honored and glad to have this moment with you. I needed to just have some words and talk about what moves you and inspires you. I came across one of your art projects, which is a tar tarot deck. And yes. I'm, I just want to dive into that. But before we do that, can you tell us a little bit about your art practice? What do you do? So I am a mixed media artist. I call myself like kitchen sink artist, you know, like it's whatever I have at my disposal. Um, you know, I'm more like just about having a vision and bringing it to life. So I do painting, um, like a lot of collaging of not just like um, paper, but different materials. I'm very, I love texture. I love things to feel like immersive, like people want to reach out and touch it you know, whether they can or not. Wow. <laughs> so I, I love inspiring that like sort of tactile experience. And I also do, you know, sculpture, installation and performance. So all with that same goal to have to have people have like a um, immersive experience with my work. Wow. And what triggered this? Or do you come from a family of creative people, of artists, or did something, an experience kind of set you in motion to become an artist? Um, it definitely was not like in my plans. Um, most, I grew up in a household that was not very creative. I didn't really find out until literally a couple years ago when I went to a family reunion on my dad's side and met family members I didn't know about that I had a lot of artists on my father's side. But the people that I grew up with on my mother's side um, of my family and with my stepfather, they were not creative people. I I'm, I grew up around nurses and like you know, blue collar workers, you know, so I definitely felt like the odd one out <laughs> um, most of my life and more, most of my, uh, from my teens, especially I was, even when I was a kid, I was always creating, like I started off writing short stories and songs and I liked to sing when no one was around and, you know, drawing, I used to want to be a fashion designer. Like I just kind of hopped around to different interests. Then in my teens, you know, with the whole MySpace thing, I began, you know, learning graphic design. And so I taught myself. And in that time, I decided that I really, you know, wanted to pursue graphic design. And so I did freelance, off, you know, for a while, off and on through my adult years into my early 20s. And it was always difficult to get like a job as a gra graphic designer. But I still found myself, you know, working different jobs and eventually getting into marketing and stuff. So I got close. Um, and so when I moved from South Florida, where I grew up to Tampa, which is more like central Florida, I went back to school. Um, and when I took my first drawing class, I kind of had the goal of just improving myself as a graphic artist. And, um, 
you know, so I was like, yeah, if I draw better, I can make like better websites and logos and shit. And so, you know, I did that. And so once I was in these drawing classes and just had the freedom to like create without the pressure of selling something commercially or creating for a brand or an or a, a event or project, it really kind of opened me up. And so I decided to look into going into the studio art program and I was comparing the two I was comparing advertising and the studio art and I was like I already have like marketing experience plus I realized a lot of creative creative directors have BFAs and not actual advertising degrees so I was like you know I'm gonna take a chance going into studio art because I I just wanted to be a better creative I felt like the more I created in um you know areas outside of graphic design the better that creativity could pour into my graphic design work and make me a better artist all the way around. And so mm-hmm. that was the goal that I, I went to school with, not realizing that as my practice in school would um, unfold, that I actually had something to share. And so I used art, especially during that time, and I'm still using art to really, at that time, it was more about physically how I navigate the world, being a fat Black woman, and just having all of these experiences that I really didn't have the language for or got the, or had the opportunity to really talk about in front of an audience, I really just started using that to dissect my experiences, how I viewed myself placed in historical context and how my body changed the language of a narrative, um, how I took up space and how people responded to the space I took up, being a big person that was expected to also be small, you know, and just being able to visually play with all of these like kind of um, you know, disparate sort of expectations that were placed on myself. And it also helped me to heal a lot of my own issues and all of those narratives I was carrying. So in that time, I also began modeling for art classes and became a figure model. And so, you know, between making art and being art <laughs> or being the muse for artists, it, it, it just became this like really life shifting experience and so about six months after I graduated this you know whole kind of shift happened in my life on a spiritual level that pulled me into my tarot deck project unexpectedly and so then that became a whole journey that has brought me to where I am today and I'm still five years later figuring shit out as I go but I never never process right yeah like I had no idea I didn't go into this and like yeah I'm gonna do bam 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 it's literally like I always liken it to like the Mario brother, like playing Mario brothers and he jumps on the cloud and you got to jump quick enough before he like falls through. Absolutely. I love <laughs> like that. I love that. And you said something really interesting. You said, you know, as a big black woman, you were expected to be small. And isn't that the truth? How has art facilitated for you to take space? Is it through creating big work? Is it creating work that's just meaningful and big in message? Or how do you navigate that? I think it's a little bit of both. Like my very first art show, the work itself was big. Like I had this installation that was like a fat wall inspired by Marina Abramovic's um, piece with her partner. I can't remember the name of it, but they would stand nude in the doorway and people would have to walk through. I couldn't do that on campus. (laughs) So I like... (laughs) I literally built a wall out of fat and underneath it was like a mattress and um, like literally water balloons attached to this vertical surface to like kind of simulate the feeling of a fat body, you know, and I put these two walls together for people to walk through or had a big giant fupa on the wall. So people just like had my crotch in their face. It was just like, kind of like, (laughs) 
this like literally kind of going big with these sort of depictions of myself and then I think the message started to the message itself started to become bigger than the actual work as I progressed in doing some more collages I was still doing a lot of self portraiture and stuff with my body and kind of seeing myself like a you know sort of tarp venus working with trash bags as my figure you know as this sort of um you know, of course, that kind of double language about my body not being valued, but my body also being essential, everything being stuffed into me, all my the expectations and stories, everything being held by me. But at the same time, people seeing is disposable. So I start, I really got into using trash bags and, and doing these collages of myself. And then over time, like, it's, it's funny because it's the opposite. Like, my work has gotten smaller in size, but impact and message has gotten bigger. You know, and so, um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that until <laughs> this question. But, yeah, that's literally what has happened that's throughout fantastic. my um, practice. Yeah. And how how is that received by other people? Like, I know sometimes when we create art and we, you know, it comes from us and our experiences. But sometimes the people who are like us don't necessarily read it the same way. What was the response that you got from uh, your community? Um, like as far as my earlier work, there weren't a lot of people who looked like me experiencing my work, but those who, who did like really received it, they, they enjoyed it. Some people just enjoyed the experience of what was created and some people really appreciated the messaging in it, um, in terms of just like being bold, being themselves, being seen, um, or even seeing, you know, just like a fat black woman like depicted in art as a muse and not dissected in certain ways where it was like affirming to some people and then um as far as you know the tarot deck and the things that I'm doing now because my work has gotten out of just my like it's still very much about me but more so about like you know myself and also how I see the world and how my spiritual life has grown and so that has even been even more impactful because creating a tarot deck has taken my is taking my work out of the exclusivity of galleries into people's homes into their personal and spiritual lives and has given them access to you know something that's still beautiful high quality that's like a collector's item and and something to appreciate as art but something that's also like literally like these you know, it's literally my, my paintings are these things now that you can rearrange and have a shifting and growing relationship with, which um, I think that's the power in, you know, me using divination as a vehicle for my work. Um, um, yeah, I think that that's, that's amazing. Uh, so let, let's talk a little bit about this, the, tar the tarot. So you developed this tarot deck called Dust to Onyx, correct? Yeah. And it's so beautiful because you're talking about your work and how you work, uh, you know, with the interactive aspect was really from you and I think from the outside or even within sometimes some people can think of the black community as a monolith right oh she represents the black woman but now that you kind of introduced yourself through the lens of the tarot deck and the arcana now you see oh it's a black woman who's the empress the black woman who's the fool the black you know the black woman that's the magician so all of a sudden there is this Maraid of, of different texture within this image of the black woman. Tell me a little bit about what was the impetus to create the deck. Initially, when I started, I was like, you know, like still a budding tarot reader, like only about a year and a half or so in. And even though I had divested from Christianity, I still carried a lot of the fears around cards and divinations. 
And so for a while, like I started out with using apps and when I was ready to transition over into using actual cards, I realized that at the time there were no cards, that there were only a handful of cards that had any depictions of black people and literally not one deck that I could find that was actually created by a black person. I think the closest I came to was maybe the Black Power Tarot and the creator of that deck being um, like a darker South East Asian man, but I don't want to assume that he identified as black. So I don't, I don't make that assumption, but still, you know, in my mind, someone who created work, but didn't have my lived experience. So there was a disconnect between the artwork and the language of the artwork and how the bodies were depicted. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll create a deck that I would want to use. And I kind of put that in the back of my mind. I had started playing around with some doodles and just kind of conceptually thinking, but when I tell you doodles, I mean, they were so, they were, they were so childish. <laughs> they, <laughs> yeah, were you see now. they were not what you see now, but then literally I had this like, you know, series of dreams. Like it was like a very sudden shift. Like I it was the end of July of 2016 that um, I woke up in the middle of the night one night. And sometimes when I wake up in the middle of the night, I struggle with anxiety. And so I start having a panic attack. And so I finally, you know, calmed myself down and I went back to sleep. And then I had this dream where I woke up again in my, in the dream now, I wake up again in my bedroom because I hear my mom and I know my mom doesn't live with me. So I was like, what the fuck is going on <laughs> so like I grab in the dream I grab something like to defend myself and I go out the door and my there's like a little shadow figure a little boy standing in front of me that I kind of register energetically as my nephew but he literally just looked like a, a shadow and so I go to turn on the light to see his face and then I feel like this like surge of electricity go through my stomach like it literally woke me out of my sleep like I screamed <laughs> it was so and I still felt it it was so real and so didn't help with the anxiety anymore. So I was just like pacing, waiting for six o'clock to hit so I could call my aunt because I knew she would get up, you know, be up ready for work. And she was someone that I knew that I could like, you know, talk about it with. So I'm on my way to work. I'm crying. I'm telling her that some demon attacked me in my dreams and like, you know, I'm freaking out. And she calls me down and tells me it's going to be okay. It was just a dream, you know, and you know what I could do spiritually to calm myself. I'm like, okay. So after I calm down, I go, you know, at this point I'm at work because I had been talking to her while I was driving and my boss calls me in the office and sits me down and they're like, yeah, so you're fired. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> this is a Monday. So I'm like, wow, we're off to a rough start this week. And so I go home and I, so I decide I, after I left the job, I, you know, I was like, okay, well, you know, let me just go home to my mom, you know, I'm really going to run to mommy. And so that whole week that I was home with my family, I was there like a week, a week and a half, I would say. And I just kept having these dreams. And in one of the dreams, I saw these like black paintings and they were like black, but had these jewel toned accents. And I kind of had like made a mental note to like, I like, oh, I want to experiment with that color. And then I was having other dreams that kind of spiritually gave me messages. At first, I thought it was messages around either. It was crazy. Like, I was like, am I going to die or have a baby? That's how the dreams were. I was like, y'all are really confusing me. Either way, I was freaking out. But by the end of this series of dreams, I realized that, you know, it was trying to, you know, kind of signal this sort of transition that I was going into. And I literally went in my mom's backyard and 
did this meditation and kind of accepted that path. And I went home to where I was staying in Tampa and I decided to just pour myself into creating the tarot deck. And the very first card that I did was the death card. And, you know, I decided to go with the black on black because of that dream. And, you know, I decided to go with the death card to kind of confront that energy because that's like a lot of the root of my anxiety is this fear of of not comp- being able to complete what I've come here to do um, or feeling taken too soon. And so, you know, I, I still struggle with it sometimes, but it was very therapeutic to confront it, confront it through the deck. And then I just started continuing to create more cards. The next card was inspired by Grace Jones because Grace Jones had the energy that I felt I wanted the deck to embody as a Black person who owned so many, all of her complexities and didn't allow herself to be boxed in. I felt like her energy was what I felt kind of personified some of that. And so it just kept going and I would find, sometimes I would have like a clear idea of like a reference I wanted to make. And then sometimes I would just find images that inspired me and just put it together. And then when I wrote the guidebook, I kind of was going through this process of like researching my own artwork and seeing where some of these intuitive ideas came up. And then as I started to think more about the deck and why the black on black and everything started to make sense because more dreams. <laughs> um, I feel like the black, when it comes to blackness in this deck, like it's about, it's a homage and a, and kind of like a love offering to blackness as a culture, but it's also about blackness as a birthing space for life. You know, black blackness holds everything. I feel like what we understand of whiteness has a lot and purity is erasure and denial. Even when we think about ascension and this move into light, it is the, the dissolution of ourselves. And so blackness is really about holding everything and accepting everything and giving room for everything to be. And I feel that that reflection is in black culture is, you know, um, in the heart of what it is to be black as a person and for us to come from blackness as like a human race. And so, yeah, there's, there's so many messages that's come up in that. And then also just like the essence of blackness and ancestrally, like understanding, like, you know, ancestors, you know, definitely is like connected to blood lineage and stuff. But also for me, this deck and my experience through the creation has taught me that ancestors aren't always energies that have lived human lives. And, and, you know, whether anyone else believes in that, like I really, you know, through my experience, seen energies and received messages that weren't from beings that had like human existences they were beings that were just invested in the experience and and in our need to grow and so that's heavily informed my artwork and the work that I'm continuing to do post Dusk Onyx so I love that I love that and I think it's really interesting that you kind of use art as a tool to learn about each of the cards right it was kind of like an investigation that you did that's fantastic uh, you also mentioned that you kind of were, were raised in an environment where it was in, uh, the tarot deck, there was some fear around it, right? So, yeah. and tarot, I mean, tarot, there, I love that there's the whole gamut, right? There's some tarot readers who just use it almost mathematically, like, okay, this is this, this is this. And there are some people who actually use it to meditate, to, to do spells. And I mean, it's it's the whole, it runs the gamut, as I said. But 
how did you kind of reconciliate that with your own personal beliefs? Um, I think that like, you know, especially because I grew up like heavily Christian, like Southern Baptist, you know, it was a part of the process was, for example, like the fear that my family wouldn't accept me. And so in like kind of accepting the call for this project to be realized and like, it's like being pregnant with something. It's like, okay, whether my family accepts this baby or not, like I'm going to have this baby and I'm going to tend to it. And I have to trust that what this baby is, is more important than the people around me understanding it because it doesn't, it doesn't need to be accepted or understood in the moment it needs to be birthed, you know? And so it was kind of that experience um, helped me kind of come to terms with like getting beyond myself and the fear of other people's perceptions or needs for approval because I was, and I still see Dust the Onyx as a energy, as its, its own living entity, and it it has its own purpose. It has its own relationships with people, you know. And so it was most important for me to kind of like just focus on bringing bringing that to life, you know, and 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 pulling that from myself. This podcast is sponsored by me and collagedream.com. Get your collage kits and start making space for your personal narratives through collage. Want to dive in deeper? Take a collage therapy session. Nope, I'm not a doctor, nor am I an engineer, but I am an artist. Let me help you get through your blocks, creative inquiries, and guide your curiosity. Go to collagedream.com. The studio is open. So let me ask you, because it's a, it's a two, it's a coin with two heads, right? So there's the spiritual aspect, the art aspect, but then on the other side is the business aspect. Can you tell me a little bit about how you uh, navigated that and how you created, because as artists, we know how to create, but then when we want to introduce something to the real world and actually uh, make it viable, it's a totally different uh, shift in mentality. How did that happen for you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot. It, you know, um, I I am you know thankful that I had a previous background in freelance because all of those years of hustling and freelancing and like, doing so many things really informed my ability yes. to to handle so much by myself. So when I decided that I was gonna you know get have Dust Onyx funded, it was a very quick process. So you know. Like I told you, it kind of started in the July. By August, I had did like 20 paintings by the first week of August. And and a friend of mine invited me to be in the show. So I put them up in the show just to see what people's responses would be. And because of the response and the reception, I was like, okay, like I'm going to take this seriously as a project to, to publish. And so, you know, September, like second week of September, I launched the Kickstarter. So in that time, I researched and, you know, um, what I started doing was putting out my own press releases and just like contacting different tarot blogs and people and you know I created my own digital prototypes so they can see you know what I was envisioning and just letting them know like hey this is about to launch you know I'm deciding to do it on Kickstarter because I had researched different platforms and I chose Kickstarter because you know especially as a creative there's that stress of like what if people don't 
like really get into this and it took the pressure off because if it didn't get funded everyone's money got automatically refunded and it created the accountability for myself it created a comfort for you know people supporting the project that I wasn't just going to take the money and run just because I only raised a couple of thousand you know it's whatever so you know I, I chose that platform and I just hustled so hard you know in terms of like just like I said the press releases and then once people started responding interview after interview getting featured really creating conversation around myself becoming a part of conversations Mm. and also sharing my process letting people see me create the work because when I started this project literally no one knew about me I I had a couple I had like a couple of hundred followers on, on Instagram family and friends when I started this and in that 35 days that it took me to raise money, like my following grew very quickly as more platforms began to talk about me. And so that was very essential to the success of Dust the Onyx. And also it was very spiritual too, because I had just started a new job. I found a little call center job to hold me over. And I was coming home from training, like getting into my spiritual bag. You know, I was you know, doing these very, like, heavy spiritual rituals, not just like, oh, my gosh, please succeed, give me this money type of thing. I had my money work and stuff going, but it was also just, like, realizing, like, some shit is really happening, and I need to move into my space. So not only was I creating cars, I was literally creating my my spiritual works, my jars, and, you know, my affirmations, and my talismans, and everything that was calling to me to be made, and literally, like, kind of, with my own hands, creating this new phase of life that I was going into, and really trying to accept it, you know, that's that's a very multi-layered. What is one of the things, or one of the elements that surprised you the most about yourself, that that was kind of a challenge, and you just rose to the occasion and you're like, oh, that was me. <laughs> Did you have that experience at any time or the whole time? Yeah. I, I still have that experience sometimes <laughs> because like, you know, on a day-to-day basis, like I feel like I'm not doing enough. I, I'm scattered, I am disorganized. I am constantly getting on myself about why I do things the way that I do them because the world says that you need to be orderly and you need to be timely and you need to, everything needs to make sense. Everything needs to have a, a clear endpoint, and I don't care how hard I t- like. I'm a visionary person, so I see the picture all the time, but the picture never turns out the way that I intend. And and constantly like being reassured that like even when some shit turns out a, a way that I didn't expect it or desire it to, it ends up being exactly what it needs to be. Like I said, it goes back to like children, right? Like you can sit there all day and paint the perfect idea of what type of child you want to have and what it's going to look like and do but that child is going to do whatever it came to do and and the more I get into my spiritual work the more I give myself the the freedom and the openness to just to to realize like okay I'm gonna have an idea the idea is important the vision is important because the vision creates the intention that I put into the work but I still have to give give openness to like you know, whatever I produce being whatever it needs to be, because that's like where the magic happens, because the magic happens in like the unexpected and the unplanned and and um, the unpredictable and, and kind of leaning into that unpredictability of my life and my artistic practice. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. Is there a tarot card that you identify with the most as you were creating them? Did you find that you 
aligned with one in particular? Um, I mean, I feel like it's it's always obvious, but definitely Queen Mother is an energy like it's literally like my tarot birth card, but it's not surprising because I'm a life path three. So like creative energy, the symbolic like those that number, everything about the energy of Queen Mother really resonates with me because I am a mother, you know, and um the way that I mother I don't have like a, a literal child, but of course birthing artwork. And also the process of how I create has been through a remothering of myself through my artistic practice and through remothering myself in my art. Like I find that my artwork mothers other people. It, it becomes like a space of nurturing and acceptance and understanding and creating conversations around a lot of the issues that people have faced similar to myself from our childhood and our programming and things like that. And so you know, even now, some of my newer work, you know, is literally me building like altars to myself and recognizing and honoring myself as God, not as a hierarchical God above all, but a God that is representative of the sacredness and the God within ourselves. So that becomes a sort of mothering and a holding of space for other people too, as well as myself, you know? I love that. That's so, that's so impactful. Now, did this idea, um, how did that impact you uh, actually creating the, the tarot deck is it a self-portrait is does it have attributes of yourself is it your face or how did you go about creating this particular card knowing that this is the one you identify with that card was actually um there's a um a woman that i follow Gervais anthony who's just this incredibly multi-talented talented amazing person and i was just like hey can i you want to send me a naked picture that's all for my card. <laughs> I really wish the viewers could see your face as you said that. <laughs> for those who can't see, I gave a little, little, little eyebrow dance. <laughs> and she said yes. <laughs> yeah, she did. And um, even though, like to me, the card looks like her, but not exactly like her. I honestly, feel like every card looks like their own person. Like it's the likeness of who I was creating but definitely not a exact replica um but i i love that part too because i think that it was more about the energy because you know gervais has a lot of that queen mother energy she's a incredibly creative like talented person you know and also has experience in therapy and social work so she literally is kind of like that energy herself i had no intentions of putting myself in this deck everyone sometimes people are like is queen mother you but i'm like no like i was very intentional about trying to kind of not make the deck about me at all you know the fact that i'm creating it was already enough to be honest and you know um being mindful of my own energy and how that would feel but um yeah so that's amazing you know, what what's on your next uh what's on your radar now do you have other ideas for for combining your artwork with your spirituality are you doing another deck what, what are your plans oh my gosh so many <laughs> i love it um, so multiple things so um this year i did my first performance um and at the national arts club there was a show i was in called everyday magic 
And because of this performance, I was invited to do it again in Minnesota at the Franconia Sculpture Garden for Juneteenth. But is what I mentioned earlier about creating the altar to myself. And so in this piece, and what I especially love about doing it in the Franconia Sculpture Garden is that I get to, um, I think, uh, please forgive me if I mess it up. I believe the artist's name is Emmett Ranstad, who created this, like, this this sculpture garden is literally a bunch of giant public works. And so the space that I ended up choosing was their their um, their public installation of these tubs that sit, like, sideways, and it looks almost like a cathedral. And there's a big one, and there's a small one, and they call it's called Alone Together. And so their messaging was around the contemplation of the tub and the solitude, but also the connection to the, like, the tub and the reflection of self and, like, other. And so the big tub and the small tub create this connection that it reminds of, of reminds us of the community and individual. So I'll be transforming that those spaces into my altar. So the desire is to have viewers step into the smaller tub that will be their personal altar. And so once they step into that tub of reflection, they'll have an offering that they walk the pathway to give to me in the bigger community um, altar because the honoring and the the um the giving me offering like I said, it's not about just me being a God above all, because usually, honestly, God is never in the temple, right? God is always represented energetically. So this is a temple where God is present and God can be seen and spoken to and God can be seen as a reflection of you and God can be seen in these different forms. And God is honoring you and accepting and seeing you in your temple because, you know, it's like I said, like I see the sacredness and power in everybody. But to do so for see people to recognize it in themselves, me at all of these marginalized intersections, living in it and being in it and embodying it, you know, if I'm able to live in a world that holds in my power and everything, then that can inspire other people to still be self-empowered. And when these go into conversations about systemic issues and everything, I truly believe that the work that's done on the ground is absolutely necessary and important, but I think spirit and our however we go through our journey also gives us additional tools and places that can't be touched in terms of how we heal and move through so that project is this in this performance is really important to me um i do have a couple of other decks that i'm working on and so next year i'll be you know announcing it and everything but i just want to kind of keep it under wraps until fabulous <laughs> that's so yeah funny. Well, listen, I, wow, how powerful. And, I, you know, I think art is such a powerful tool, but it's, it's so much more magnified when you align it with spirituality, when you align it with inclusivity. And I love how you are invoking everyone's God to come forward and just shine. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. That's so amazing. I, I knew I needed to connect with you. Um, before I let you go, I just want to ask you, I always ask, people, random people on the streets, what's giving you life right now? What's inspiring you? What are you reading? What are you eating? What are you watching? Um, what are you doing? Well, I'm moving into a new space, which is really exciting because like I have struggled to find like creative space that really just energetically resonated with me and then make creating a, a chore or you know, like, you know, sometimes you're in a space that, like, you know, you could make some stuff, but you're just not inspired, it's crowded, it's whatever the issue is. Absolutely. And so I have been having that for the past few years. 
after I moved out of the apartment that I made Dusty Onyx in. I've <laughs> just been bouncing around. So this place is like this huge loft that has like a whole like 30 foot area that I can just like fill up wow. with like whatever and it, the sky's the limit it's the perfect setup and even the owners of the buildings are like photographers and artists and everybody in the building is like a creator of some sort so it's just like whoa like I feel like I hit the jackpot so there's it is like literally lit like a fire under me to um yeah just get this space going so I can really pour myself like I finally feel creatively inspired to do as much as I can so I'm interested in tapestry and rug making so you know I've been buying those tools and so I'm just kind of like on fire in that way and excited to be in this space and I've been getting like commissions for different tv shows and stuff that that's been exciting too and an unexpected um part of my journey is like getting commissioned to like work with entertainers and do do that kind of work and also you know launching black and sage which is my publishing company that's gonna you know be you know the the goal of black and sage is to support other artists of color and to provide residencies to provide resources for those who either want to have an official publishing company help them publish their works it can be card decks books or however or to offer like a la carte services as well but really creating um non-exploitive um, models for artists to support themselves so there's a lot of things right now in my life that's exciting me and also overwhelming me but we're not going to talk about that <laughs> my god yes thank you so much that is yeah okay i i'm keeping you on my radar and i need to see all of this come to fruition so i'm sending you all the love and all of the positive energy thank you for hanging out and i look forward to seeing you grow and glow so have a great yeah, one thank you for having me that's it thanks for listening if you've heard something that moved you please share it you are the candle that can ignite a thousand flames i am luis martin the art engineer sharing with you what moves me